Welcome to Talking About Our Beautiful Savior podcast number 38. Pastor Alex Groth. And I'm Steph Minister Carrigrove. We're doing something different today. We're doing the podcast from Wisconsin. Yes. On vacation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we have done some fun stuff this week. Haven't we? So much fun. What's your favorite thing we've done this week so far? Um, Probably, oh goodness, Alex, you're putting me on the spot I'll start. Here. Uh, we went on a <laughs> Wisconsin duck oh, tour in Wisconsin yeah. Dells. You saw a bald not a eagle. normal duck. So, no, no, no. Not, oh, not normal ducks. That. So like a vehicle that drives on land and then it goes in water. Yeah, it's so amazing. So we went on the Wisconsin River. We saw a bald eagle. Um. Once again, the boys were immediately, like, one of them, younger one, was like, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. I want to be done. About five minutes into it, he does not reserve judgment. But ten minutes later, he was having the time of his life. Yes. Quite fun. What else? Indoor, indoor... Uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not. Oh, yeah. Ripley's Believe It or Not, which was not quite what I remembered it from being a kid. A little more grisly uh, than I remember it being. Um... Indoor water park, which was mm-hmm. very fun. Boys have no fear, so we went down a bunch of slides. That was cool. Yep. Um, I think my favorite part has just been hanging out with your family. Yep, they're they're pretty fun. We tried to get my younger sister to join us on the podcast yesterday, but she wouldn't. So, man, what is she? <laughs> she hiding? wanted to. She what did. is she hiding? Is what I want to know. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's been a fun week, and now we're. Doing this podcast in the guest bedroom of my parents' house, mm-hmm. and I can hear uh, Bubble Guppies playing the TV show playing out outside. Oh, I've never seen Bubble Guppies. It's not good. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into our our lesson for today. Our theme for ministry. It's the second week of this holy ministry theme. Is the holy ministry demonstrates compassion for God's people. So our two lessons we'll talk about really have that focus, Moses showing compassion on God's people, asking God for a leader, and then Jesus seeing that the people are harassed like sheep without a shepherd, and he has compassion on them too. Our first uh, first thing in order of business is the Sunday school lesson, which is one of the most well-known lessons in all of the Old Testament for Sunday school, David and Goliath. Do you remember how tall Goliath probably was? Um, Over nine feet. Nine feet, nine inches tall. Oh, my goodness. So you picture like a basketball hoop, and Goliath is just like walking <gasps> under the hoop with his head just barely, depending on what kind of hair he had. If he had like a mohawk, <laughs> his hair was probably taller than the hoop. Uh, his armor is huge. His armor, if you do the conversion, his armor, like his torso armor weighs like 150 pounds itself. Wow. So just imagine like... That's a little less than how much I weigh. Um, so just imagine me like clinging to Goliath's <laughs> torso. That's his armor. Wow. And the head of his spear was 20 pounds. So, That yeah. is, that's some heavy duty stuff. It is. Yeah, very, very he much so. He's a giant. So. Uh, the way they did military battles back then was interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just notice that I'm sitting lower than you. I'm sitting on an ottoman. I know, I really like this. I'm sitting on an ottoman and you are important. looking down on me. <laughs> Like literally looking down, yes. and every time I'm looking up at you, I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> my glasses are like halfway yeah, down my yeah, nose." Yeah, this is an interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. So the way they did military battles, I mean, the way you think about it today, um, it's sort of like take over an area of land. You're working as a team, as a unit. Uh, I think you know a lot of the footage we saw from the Middle East is you're going going block by block, and it's very coordinated strategy. A lot of times in these days, they would just kind of walk out and face each other. And sometimes they would choose a champion from their side, and those two champions would face off, and that would go a long way toward determining who would win. That's what we have here. 
every day, this guy Goliath uh, from the Philistines would walk out in front of the Israelites and challenge someone to fight him. And that in and of itself wouldn't necessarily be bad, but he was mocking God, mocking the God of Israel. And he's using these words to blaspheme God that are really, really mm-hmm. gross. So this, this goes on for 40 days. And King Saul, whom we met um, uh, in our Christlight lessons this last spring, has no idea what to do. Just has, has no idea what to do because he can't face him himself, even though Saul, if anybody was going to face him in Israel, it's probably Saul. He was the head above everyone else. Like yeah, so he's Saul. the tallest guy. He's a, a very good warrior. But even he can't even you know, fathom going against Goliath. So he can't face his tro- troops. He's so ashamed. So 40 days, you think a, a month and 10 days. And here's another one of those times where 40 appears. You know that, that We see that number 40 appearing different points in the Bible. Um, so 40 days they're, they're facing Philistines and Goliath is making fun of God. And just imagine by the time David shows up, what do you think morale is like just among the Israelites? awful. I mean, everyone's probably just miserable and mm-hmm. depressed and negative and feeling helpless, hopeless. Yeah. What's the point of doing all this? I yeah, mean, which is kind of crazy because of who their God is. Right, so it should have been a no-brainer. Yeah. So one morning David comes, uh, his dad, what's his dad's name? Um, Jesse. Jesse. Jesse sends David to go take food to his brothers, some bread and some cheese. And he, for the first time, David, as a teenager, sees Goliath's actions. Mm-hmm. Here's what he's saying. And how does David react? He's appappalled because this person is mocking his yeah. God. Yeah. Like, in, in a way, I mean, he was calling him, our God, a dog, right? Well, he's, he later says... He calls David a dog. Oh, okay. Says you send out your dog with sticks. Got so, it. Yeah. Got it. So, so David's appalled and right away, like, can think of no other thing than to like, of course, I'm going to defend. Right. He's kind of going up and down the road with troops. Like, why isn't anybody going out to challenge him? Like, this is a no-brainer. And David's brother. This is like a fun dynamic here. His <laughs> brother's like, you know, shut up, little brother. You know, you're so arrogant. You think you could do better. <laughs> So David David ignores him. David does like the mm-hmm. thing we've seen our boys do. It's kind of like, <laughs> yeah. what, what do you mean? Oh. What, what, what's the problem? What, what's your problem with me? I'm just defending God's honor. Like walks down the line, like ask the next guy, like why isn't anybody going to fight? So David goes to Saul, volunteers to fight Goliath. Saul ridicules him in response. Mm-hmm. David's like, no, I'm for real, man. Mm-hmm. And he says, I remember God has equipped me to face wild animals while I was shepherding, and I'm confident God is going to be with me now. So that that's a really important point to make. David doesn't think he can take Goliath because he's such a good right. slingshot sharpshooter. He thinks he can take Goliath because God's on his side. So all tries to put the armor on David, which I would love to see this. <laughs> David walking around so and Saul's aren't Saul's so tall. You just think if I put on like so Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Milwaukee Bucks superstar, <laughs> if I put on his jersey, his shorts, yeah, his, sh- his shorts, that would look ridiculous as I walk around like, hey, I'm the Greek freak, I'm gonna play basketball. It would look ludicrous. That's kind of how I imagine yeah. David looking in mm-hmm. King Saul's armor, and David basically says, I can't, I can't walk in this i can't fight not helpful so he takes off the armor once again says his confidence is in god david packs uh goes and picks a couple smooth stones he only needs a few of them uh goliath or only needs one i should say goliath laughs when he sees david again Mm -hmm. and why are you sending a dog to fight me yeah Uh, and he cursed david by his gods and then we know the end of the story david had just the one stone again before he he 
throws it. He gives all glory to God. Uh, and the, the stone smikes, or strikes Goliath in that space in his forehead where there was no armor, and Goliath dies. Uh, and David, again, gives full credit to God mm-hmm. for this victory. A couple of things we should take from this lesson. We have a responsibility to defend God's honor. Uh, just one of the notes I have is we, we sometimes get upset when people insult like, our favorite team, our favorite movie, our favorite book, our favorite band. Um, maybe our political party. We just we're, we're very easily get riled up about that. When the one thing that we should care about the most is what are people saying about God? What's their view of Him? So being able to speak the truth and love, being motivated to do that, like David, to just have it be a no-brainer. Like, of course, of course, I'm going to defend God's honor. That's a good attitude for us to strive for. Second point: God was as real to David as Goliath was to the frightened Israelites. I like that. Yeah. Um, I think I took that from the People's Bible. So you know, Goliath is a real threat right, right? there He's standing Huge out there basketball hoop tall ready to yep. destroy anybody but for david god was just as real as goliath yeah. was like of course I'm, I'm gonna go out there and beat him there's not a doubt there's in no david's question. mind um another point are you trying to fight your battles on your own i think that's often a point made in sermons about this text or bible studies about this text i mean you don't want to push that too far like you know what goliath are you facing in your life but there's some truth to that that sin, death, and the devil are far scarier than Goliath. Mm-hmm. And David knew that and he... far more powerful yeah. than Goliath. So what kind of enemies are we trying to face on our own? Is it our guilt? Is it our fear? Is it mortality, death in general? And what kind of things does God provide for us that are weapons against those mm-hmm. things that, that can defeat them? And primarily it's his promises. Mm-hmm. Promises of forgiveness in heaven. Um, maybe just an illustration idea. I mean, literally, the idea of a of David versus Goliath is used in sports all the time, or yeah. any sort of competition mm-hmm. when one person or one team is heavily favored. And there's there's so many sports movies that you could use here to illustrate the underdog concept. Um, and these are all, I mean, these are like movies from my childhood, but like Little Giants. Did you ever see that one? I don't know. I think probably the football team, Rick Moranis. Oh, it's so good. I don't know who Rick... Is that the guy from Mighty Ducks? Oh, God. <laughs> Gary. the guy from Mighty Ducks. No. Um, <laughs> Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. sure, sure. Big Green. Do you know that one? The soccer mm-hmm. movie? That was nope. really good, too. Rudy? You know Rudy. Um, I mean, I've heard of him. Okay. <laughs> Mighty Ducks. You know yes, Mighty Ducks. that was And you were thinking of movie. Emilio Estevez. That was Estevez. the only movie I've ever seen. When That's the only child. movie you've ever seen. Well, like, this, you know, nothing can top this, this Goliath nature. Nothing will be better than Mighty Ducks. This <laughs> piece of cinema. I still stand by that. So, I just the, there's so many good illustrations to use when it comes to David and Goliath. Just like mm-hmm. this seemed like a hopeless battle, and because God was with David, it was actually hopeless for Goliath. Right. Any other thoughts on David and Goliath before we move on? Um, I mean, I just think it's like super, it's great that this is such a well-known portion Mm -hmm. of the Old Testament because um, anytime you're facing anything that is too much and like we are helpless Mm -hmm. to, you know, there are so many things. Yeah. Um, But we've got a God who's way more powerful. Right. So we never have to fear. Yep. Good point. Okay, let's go into our scripture readings. The first one, Numbers 27, is not a very well-known one. I mean, this is toward the end of Moses' life. He knows that he's not going on to lead them in the promised land in Canaan. 
And so Moses said to the Lord, May the Lord, the God who gives breath to all living things, appoint someone over this community to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in. And this is a key phrase. So the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. That phrase is going to come back mm -hmm. in, uh, in our gospel lesson. Jesus is going to use that same imagery. But so that, the reason this fits in with our theme for today, Moses is worried about the people and rightfully yeah. so. They've done nothing but grumble and complain against God. They've wandered in the wilderness for nearly 40 years at this point. So Moses says, God, please have compassion on them. Give them a leader. Give them mm -hmm. a shepherd. And so God says to Moses, take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom there is the spirit of leadership, and lay your hand on him. This is one of those points in the Bible where we uh, see the practice of laying on of hands, mm -hmm. which sometimes in the Bible was almost um, a supernatural thing. Not almost. It was a supernatural thing where maybe someone was given the Spirit, Holy Spirit, through the laying on of hands. But it's something we still do today when a pastor or a teacher is installed. Um, I just did a, an installation in May and as part of the right R-I-T-E of installation, all uh, the pastors there kind of put their hand over Pastor Keither's head and prayed a blessing for him. And this is what, what Moses is doing for Joshua. It's kind of a visible sign to all of Israel. Okay, Joshua is going to take over from here. Uh, God tells Moses to have Joshua stand before Eliezer the priest and the entire assembly and commission him in their presence so they would all know. You just think, what a heady thing this would have been for Joshua to take over from Moses. Mm -hmm. Moses has been everything for Israel for 40 years. I mean, he's been, in many ways, their spiritual leader, their political leader. They've gone to him for disputes and stuff like that. He's like their judge and stuff. So for him to be leaving, you think Joshua's got some big, ready? Big sandals to fill. <laughs> Don't think, laugh at me. That's patronizing. Um, I just have a question. Um, yeah. Joshua was probably already pretty old, right? Yeah, I mean, he lives a decent amount longer, but he's not. it doesn't seem like he's a super young guy at this point. Right. I mean, he's one of the, the spies that goes in mm -hmm. uh, into into the promised land. Um, like 80s, 90s, maybe? I don't know if he was that old, but yeah, he's not. I'm, I'm picturing him as being like 50 to 60, but I could, okay. be, could be wrong. Okay. Uh, and so this is a very public thing that Joshua is having the torch passed to him, so to speak. And God says, give him some of your authority so the whole Israelite community will obey him. He is to stand before Eliezer the priest who will obtain decisions for him by inquiring of the Urim before the Lord. Um, which is interesting. I don't. We don't know a ton of, about the, the priest would wear these um, sacred stone vest kind of things. And somehow they were used to um, know the will of God. And it's just, it's very mysterious, but I mean, the, I guess the point to make without getting too deep in the weeds in that, because I don't know that we know a ton about that, uh, is that Moses or Joshua is leader. What would he need to find in order to do his work? He would need to find communication with God. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah. God's will. So mm -hmm. it wasn't just like, hey, use your leadership skills to the best of your ability. It's like, you know, you need to be connected to God right. and know what God wants. And could, perhaps those stones, I mean, I'm totally speculating because I had no idea about those stones. But, like, I mean, it's just a visible, like, you know, thing, tangible thing you can hang on to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I just, it's a short lesson that uh, the last verse just says Moses did as the Lord commanded him. But Moses doesn't want the people to be without leaders. And so he asks God and God very kindly says, yes, here's a specific guy I want. I think that happens in ministry today too. Uh, when one pastor, there's one pastor retiring in Northern Dayton uh, at the end of June here, 
and I've got a call meeting to go lead on, on Sunday to find them, help them find uh, the next person that will lead them. And while we're waiting to figure out who the next person is, our church will help cover that vacancy because we don't want them to be like sheep without a shepherd. So our, our congregation will kind of take on that responsibility of helping shepherd them too. Uh, and God uh, blesses people through that kind of leadership. It's difficult, uh, but you know, God, it's, God is kind by providing people to serve a church. And I mean, just like thinking out, like from Joshua's perspective, um, just so encouraging to like know that, man, God chose me. Like God chose me, and He's gonna use me. Mm-hmm. Like He, I am a tool at His use. Right, and God said my name, mm-hmm. which would have been you know pretty powerful, a source of confidence. And Joshua did a great job. I think he serves. I don't remember exactly off the top of my head, but it's it's a significant amount of time that he leads Israel during mm-hmm. a critical point in their their history where they go into the promised land and now they're taking it. And Joshua's got these amazing military leadership skills. And you just fast forward to Joshua 24 when, you know, now Joshua's retiring. And that powerful, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So Mm -hmm. Joshua is in many ways the leader that Moses was, um, a Mm -hmm. strong political leader, but also one who first and foremost said, you need to trust in God and worship him alone. Right, our gospel, Matthew 9, uh, parts of Matthew 9 going to chapter 10, so Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. So we just get sort of a general overview of what Jesus is up to. He's doing cool stuff. He's teaching, but he's also doing miracles. Um, he sees the crowds and it says he had compassion in them, wait for it, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So I mentioned that just a few minutes ago. He uses the same phrase that, you know, obviously different languages, but the same concept that Moses used to describe the people. Well, the people had Jewish leaders. Mm-hmm. How were they like sheep without a shepherd? They didn't have spiritual uh, yeah. leaders. They, they didn't have good spiritual leaders who pointed them to God's promises. Instead, their spiritual leaders were telling them, live a good life. This is how you will make God happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, later on, the prophets will use that imagery. They, were, they will both criticize current Israel and future Israel for their, their leadership being terrible shepherds yeah. and the, the flock would be struck and they would scatter everywhere and there'd be no one to lead them. And mm-hmm. that's what Jesus finds when he comes to this earth. The yep. spiritual state of Israel was so bad because they didn't have leaders pointing them to Jesus. So that's the whole setting of this. He, he sees uh, that the people are like sheep without a shepherd and rather kind of shrugging, being like, that's not my problem. He has compassion on them. And compassion is such a great concept that you look at someone who is in need and rather than just kind of you know, shedding a tear for them and being like, if only there was something to do. Compassion is, no, you do something about it. Acting on it. And I think, too, that it would have been easy to think, well, or, well, to have that thought of, they brought this on themselves. Yeah, right. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the sheep are the ones who actually go off the cliff. Mm-hmm. So, that would be difficult. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's a good point. So with that in the context, he says to the disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So that picture of, yeah, there's all this, all these crops to be brought in, but there's just no one to do it. Yeah. So that's that's a really great picture. It's like, the, the, it's already grown. Right. You know, it's right all, there All that's left waiting. to do is go just in and pull them it. in. Like God is ready to reap this harvest of believers. I'll just yeah. go out there and do it. It's interesting so he says, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers, and then he sends them out. Like, mm-hmm. ask the Lord to do it, and then be the answer <laughs> yeah, to your own prayer. Yeah, I love prayer. it. Yeah. 
So they would be the answer to Jesus, you know, the prayer that Jesus is calling them to uh, to pray. And that, I mean, the same for all believers. It's like you pray that mm-hmm. God sends out people to spread the word and, okay, be you're that the, person. Part of the answer to the <laughs> prayer, yeah. So Jesus called his 12 disciples to them, him, gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. So that is amazing to consider that not only Jesus has this divine authority, but then to fishermen, tax collector, just this ragtag mm-hmm. band of you know, normal people, people, normal people, God gives them the ability to bring the kingdom to people, uh, primarily in preaching the gospel, but also you know bringing light to darkness. You know, here are demons have taken over this corner of Israel, taken over this person. And God gives them the power to the light to drive out that darkness. I think too, just um, something that struck me about like what Jesus was up to. Um, he's just like he's in there with the people. Mm-hmm. He's just in the thick of it. Yeah. Um, he's not doing it from afar or like you know he like he's he's down in the trenches. Yeah. Right. And I, right. I like that too. That's a good image. We get the names of the twelve apostles. We don't go through all those now, but I just I think some of them we know a lot about. Um, Peter, Simon, who's called Peter, James and John, the sons of thunder. Jesus called them. We've got some sons of thunder. Right yep, up I can stairs. I can hear the the children running <laughs> around on the stairs. Um, maybe just in, I mean so Matthew the tax collector. We we know a lot about him. Well, not a lot, but just you know he wrote a gospel. We know that he was someone who was you know cheating Israel, and now he's going to follow Jesus. Simon the Zealot, uh, seems like a zealot at that oh point boy, was yeah. maybe not quite a terrorist, but someone who's actively opposing the government and using extreme measures to do so. So just like, wow, Jesus called one of those guys to follow him. So was this the guy who like really wanted to be able to drive out demons? Um, no, that's and, that's a different okay. guy. That's that's uh, the book of Acts, I believe. Okay, yep, yeah. you're right. Uh, and then Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. So that's interesting. Among wow. the 12, 12 apostles, you know, Judas is, is mentioned. Um, as being part of it, and, and yeah. his betrayal is called out here. Uh, Jesus gives them the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any towns of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. So again, the sheep imagery. The Gentiles, they will be a mission field for people like Paul and Peter eventually. But right now, they're to go to the Israelites first. And they're to go proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. So not, you know, this is the way to get to the kingdom of heaven, but the kingdom of heaven has come near because the kingdom is not a physical location it's wherever jesus is king and then finally he says heal the sick raise the dead cleanse those who have leprosy drive out demons uh, freely have received freely give so primarily you know it's that grace that they've been given give to others but also yeah to in order just like jesus was doing miracles to get attention to his message they would have the power to do that too something that um struck me there was you know he uses He's ex- telling who his apostles or disciples are, and then he's uh, Judas is in there, and it's not like Judas was this this, this mean guy or especially mm-hmm. like bad guy. Like he was just like the other guys. Um, he had a really annoying voice. And <laughs> did he? No. no <laughs> um, and and so he wasn't necessarily more prone to do what he did. Mm. It's that he allowed sin to yeah. get a hold of him right and didn't fight that battle yeah no i think 
it sounds to me like the point you're making is if you looked at the list of the disciples, you wouldn't necessarily call a Judas and be like, ooh, why are you calling him? Right, like he was a nice guy. Right. I mean, you would more Simon the Zealot or Matthew the tax collector be like, <laughs> like really? why are you picking them? <laughs> yeah, so Judas, you know, the difference with Judas is that he let sin get a foothold. And of, it could happen to any of us. Right. Um, you know, even the people who are on Team Jesus, right. you know? Serving as called workers. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's yeah. a really important point for us to consider um, that we are not above the fray. But we are striving to be um, God's workers in the field while also knowing we are sinful and are are prone to temptation. I think, too, like, you know, thinking about just the ministry, all of us together, Mm -hmm. the family of believers, um, make sure we're watching out for the people who you do see there every Sunday, who you do see there volunteering. Like, Mm -hmm. they, they need our support you know yeah. just as much as other no people. i think that's that's true i think as as a pastor sometimes um if, if there's like the, the that old vaudeville act of spinning plates you know mm-hmm. like you, you get one spinning you go to the next one mm-hmm. and sometimes like being a pastor feels like that where you just there's there's so many families to serve and you just get one spinning and then you try to go help the other one and sometimes you just feel like, like oh, oh that plate up there they'll spin by themselves they're good yeah <laughs> but it's important for all of us as christians pastors teachers staff ministers um the congregation like to watch out for everyone yeah and not to assume well, okay this person this family's good because they're around yeah, a lot but to have each other's backs that way too that's a really good point all right here is a song stanza. It's stanza number five of the hymn, Lord Jesus, You Have Come. It's right down there. Mm-hmm. Bring those into your fold who still to you are strangers. Guard those who are within against offense and dangers. Press onward with your word till pastor and his fold. Through faith in you, O Christ, your glory shall behold. What do you like there? Um. Well, you go first. I just, I like to guard those who are within against offense and dangers. That's very much in keeping with what we just talked about. Yeah. I mean, it's not like the sheep, once they're in the pen, are safe. You know, mm-hmm. the, those who are in the church, we need to continue to guard them as well. And then just the idea of um, we're pressing onward toward glory. That's the goal. Yeah. Not just having church now for the sake of church. Uh, not that it's just like a social club. But we're all working toward heaven. We're trying to get to that final we sheep. We want to behold Christ's glory yeah. together. Um yeah, and I, I think, too, like, we think of ourselves, we're in this fold, you know, mm-hmm. this flock of sheep, um, and we want to bring, like, strangers, we want to bring yeah, them in right. so that they can be one of us. All right, See? final question. How have you been blessed by church in your life? Specifically thinking about, you know, the theme is uh, holy ministry, ministry demonstrates compassion for God's people. So how have you been blessed by the church's compassion? Do you want me to go well, first? Well, we could probably write books on this. Being blessed by the church? Yes. I mean, like, for me, my whole, you know, adolescence, I feel like, since since I became a member of a Wells Church, you know, we've been blessed at every turn. Just Mm -hmm. like people, if it's like material, Mm -hmm. um, giving us gifts um, or just friendship support, Mm -hmm. um, care. Yeah, that's good. I, I would agree with that. I also think just in terms of like the ministry and having a pastor, I remember being very proud of my pastor growing up. And like when we'd have uh, visiting choirs 
like would you know come and give a concert like we do a beautiful savior i'd be so excited for them to hear our pastor preach like oh he's you're in for it like That's he's so nice, really though. good I've never heard like, yeah and I just, so i felt very blessed to grow up with the church that i did in calvary and it's now in christ alone in deansville wisconsin so just to have a really great pastor that was very kind to me as an individual he's very important to me as a, as a kid growing up a pretty big church but he just still had so much time for the individuals and then, yeah, his, his preaching, uh, I felt like even as a kid, I got so much out of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just then getting older and being um, now a colleague of his in ministry, he's still a pastor. And just uh, the encouragement he's given me has been been really, really wonderful. Uh, so, yeah, shout out to Pastor Don Shoreline, who's a great guy. <laughs> All right, I think that's it for today. Yeah. Yeah, we did it. First podcast in Wisconsin. Yeah, I think we're a little sleepy. I'm not. I feel top notch. <laughs> I get to preach for a wedding today. The boys are going to a base, their first Brewers game at uh, Amfam Field today. It's mm-hmm. gonna be a good one. Yep. They had they got a bunch of gummy, like gummy fried eggs, Ooh. in Wisconsin Dells. But like they're actually just gummy. They're gummies, but they but look they're, like they're in the shape eggs. of fried eggs, and I plan on finishing those today <laughs> if they don't finish them. I've given you them are all more excited week. About them then. <laughs> all right. Bye. Bye.